All right, well, we're there in Isaiah 33, and I want to show you a theme that is found in this chapter. If you look at verse number 3 of Isaiah 33, the Bible says this, At the noise of the tumult, the people fled. I want you to make note of this phrase, At the lifting up of thyself, talking about the Lord, the nations were scattered. Uh, Go down to verse number 5. Notice what verse 5 says. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. So in verse 33 it says about the Lord that he lifted up thyself, In verse 5 it says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. Look at verse number 10. He says, Now will I arise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. Look look at verse number uh, 13. He says, Hear ye that are far off what I have done, and ye that are near. Notice this. Acknowledge my might. Look at verse 17. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. In Isaiah 33, you find this theme throughout the chapter that has to do with the Lord being exalted, the Lord being uh, raised up and lifted up and acknowledged, the fact that we see the King, we see the Lord as He is. We see Him in His power and we see Him in His beauty. And the idea is that today, many of us, and I would say, you know, us today and in the days of Isaiah, Old Testament Israel and New Testament believers, today, most of us probably do not see the Lord in the way that He should be seen. And we don't acknowledge God in the way that He should be acknowledged. And Isaiah tries to do his best here to kind of show us the Lord exalted. Because there are things that will happen in our lives. And there are things that will be produced in our lives if we get to the place where we can see the Lord exalted. Where we can see the Lord lifted up. Where we can see Him as He is and acknowledge His might. And see the King in His beauty. This is not the first time in the book of Isaiah that Isaiah deals with it. Keep your finger there in Isaiah uh, 33, but go back a few pages with me to Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6, a very famous portion of the book of Isaiah, but in Isaiah 6, he kind of mentions it again. Isaiah chapter number 6, look at verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, in the year that King Josiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Notice what he says high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Talking about these angelic uh, beasts and beings up there with these different wings. Verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, notice what Isaiah says, and you got to understand this, all throughout the Bible, and I'm not going to take the time to show you all sorts of different examples. I'll show you one more example. But all throughout the Bible, when people for the first time see God as He is, and, and we understand that we don't, no one in the, in the Bible actually saw God, but when they see Him in His glory, when they see Him high and lifted up, when they see Him in His beauty, it is always the same response. When an individual for the first time, acknowledges and sees God as they truly are, and God is exalted, 
the thing that happens and that is produced from that is that in the, the individual who now sees God in his rightful place always immediately humbles himself. Look at verse number 5. Notice what Isaiah said. He said, Then said I, he said, After I saw the Lord, after I saw Him high, after I saw Him lifted up, after I saw His glory and His beauty, he says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. He said, he said I, I'm a mess. He said, I'm, I'm not, I, he said, you know, I might have thought I was something before, and I might have thought I had something going on before, and I might have thought, well, I'm Isaiah the prophet. But he said, when I got a view at God, I realized, he said, I am undone. He said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And notice what he says. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know the problem that we have? problem that all of us have, problem you have, problem I have. It all comes down to one word, pride. We often just think a little too highly of ourselves. And here's the reason why. We have not yet seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen God? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about some charismatic, you know, I saw God and saw Jesus and he had long hair and he, you know, gave me the lottery numbers. We're not talking about that. But have you ever seen God? I mean, have you ever came to a place in, I'm talking about spiritually, a place in your life where you just acknowledge and you just realize the greatness and the power and the majesty and the beauty of God. Because when you get to that place, the only thing that naturally flows from that is this humble worship of who God is. And the fact that I am undone, the fact that I am a mess, the fact that I am a sinner who dwell amongst the people that are sinners, and the fact that I am nothing when I see myself in comparison to God. And you find this throughout the Bible. Keep your finger there in Isaiah, but go with me to Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter 1. Let me show you that just real quickly uh, in another passage. Revelation, last book in the, in the New, uh, New Testament. Revelation chapter number 1. And look at verse number 12. Revelation chapter number 1. In Revelation 1, you've got the uh, Apostle John who's... Uh, seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, he's appeared to him uh, on the Isle of Patmos, and Jesus is appearing to him in his glorified body. This is after his death, burial, and resurrection. In verse number, we won't take the time to read the entire chapter, but in verse, chapter 12, in verse number 12 of Revelation chapter 1, it says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many wild and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, notice, it's the same thing every time, verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. John said, when I saw him, and keep in mind, John was that, that beloved you know, disciple. He, he leaned upon the breast of Jesus. He, he spent three and a half years with the Savior, with Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He'd seen him. But when he saw him in his power, when he saw him as he actually was, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last, I am he that liveth in the dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. The question is this, if you make yourself way back to Isaiah 33, the question is, have you seen the Lord in His beauty? 
Have you seen? I mean, I'm not talking about physically, but in our minds and in our hearts and in our attitudes. Do we see the Lord as exalted? See, today, Christianity, especially this newer type of contemporary, this neo-evangelical type of Christianity, wants to bring God down. Everything's casual. Everything's ah, not a big deal. It's no big deal. You don't have to dress up for church. And look, the Bible doesn't say you have to dress up for church. But everything's just casual. Everything's just nonchalant. It's not a big deal. It's not God Almighty. It's just the man upstairs. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's just JC. It's just, you know, he's my buddy. He's my friend. But in the Bible, we are told that we are to look at God and acknowledge God as exalted. And here's the problem that we have. Usually, because we do not acknowledge God as exalted, usually because we do not acknowledge God as mighty and powerful, it allows us to have this attitude of irreverence towards God. And in chapter 33 of Isaiah, we're kind of, Told about that. Look, look at verse 1 again. He says, Woe to thee that spoilest, and thou was not spoiled, and dealest treacherously, and they dealt not treacherously with thee. When thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled, and when thou shalt make an end to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for thee. Be thou their arm every morning. Our salvation also in the time of trouble. We're going to come back to those uh, verses in a little bit, uh, verse 33, at the noise of the tumult, the people fled. At the lifting up the, of thyself, the nations were scattered, and your spoils shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar, as the running to and fro of locusts shall he run uh, upon them. The Lord, verse 5, is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion in judgment, uh, with, with judgment and righteousness, verse 6, and wisdom, I want you to notice these words, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times, and the strength of salvation. Notice this word, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Do you know that the Bible teaches that if the Lord was to be exalted in our minds, if the Lord was to be exalted in our lives, if we were to get a proper perspective and view of God, the Bible teaches that we would be filled with knowledge and wisdom and with judgment and with the, and, and the knowledge of God? I mean, he says here, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord. And nothing in the Bible is in there for mistake. He says, he says, there's the fear of the Lord is his treasure. And here's what you got to understand, okay? God, keep your finger on Isaiah. Go to Proverbs just real quickly. Proverbs chapter number one. Uh, if you, you know, you go back towards the middle of the Bible, you got the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you got Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one. And I want you to just notice the words that are used here. Isaiah 33 and verse 6 says, Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So he says, you'll have wisdom. He says, you'll have knowledge. And he talks about the fear of the Lord being our treasure. Those things are connected. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. Now he said, hey, you'll have wisdom and knowledge. If you had the fear of the Lord, the treasure of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs tells us, hey, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Go to Proverbs chapter 9, look at verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 10. Proverbs 9, 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Here's what you got to understand. You know why we don't fear God? We don't fear God because we don't see God as high and holy and mighty and lifted up. And because we don't fear God, we don't have knowledge, we don't have wisdom. Here's the reason you and I do not get up 
in the morning, the reason we won't get up Monday morning and just fall on our face before God in prayer, opening His Word, studying and meditating and reading and acknowledging wisdom and knowledge. The reason that you will get up and you will turn on the television, you'll turn on the radio, you'll get on Facebook, you'll get dressed, you'll have breakfast, you'll read the newspaper, you'll read the magazine, you'll get busy with the things of life, you won't spend time with God, you won't spend time learning, you won't spend time growing. Here's why. You don't have the proper view of God. See, we think we've got it put together. I'm smart. I'm educated. I've got this plan and I've got that plan and I don't need God. But if you were to get a proper view of the power and glory of God and you realize that you were undone, you realize that you were a mess, you would realize, wow, I need that high, holy, lifted up God. I need that exalted God because, see, when I see God as he truly is, I begin to fear God. And here's why I don't fear God, and here's why you don't fear God. Because we don't have the right view of God. You say, well, what will happen if I get the right view of God? You'll begin to fear. What will happen if I begin to fear? You'll grow in wisdom. What will happen if I begin to, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What will happen if I begin to fear? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, you'll start reading your Bible. You'll start praying. You'll start learning about God. You'll start memorizing Scripture. You'll start getting all those things that you need. But here's why we don't do it. Here's why we don't do it. And it's just the, the bottom line. We do not see God as really all that great. He's just kind of there. He's just kind of, you know, we acknowledge him when we need him. And if I'm in trouble, I'll pray. But as long as I've got things under control, I don't really need him. Are you there in Isaiah? I'm not sure where you're at. Go to, go to uh, Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4 is a well-known passage. You're there in Isaiah. Go past the book of Jeremiah, past Lamentations, past Ezekiel, past Daniel, and go to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter number 4. See, we're in trouble as Christians today, especially the United States of America and the Christian movement in the United States of America. We're in trouble, and we are destroyed, and we are destroyed for one reason. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. The, pe- the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. How do you get the fear of the Lord and the treasure of the fear of the Lord when you exalt the Lord in your mind, when you realize? He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt, not, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. See, the problem that we have, you say, well, no, I, I, I see God as high and holy and exalted and lifted up. But if we saw God in his proper place, it would drive us to be filled with the wisdom and knowledge of God. So because we do not see him in the proper place, we do not have the wisdom and knowledge that we need, and our nation is being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Not of technology, not of knowledge of math and reading and writing, but a lack of knowledge of the Word of God. Go, go back to Isaiah 33, look at verse 7. When the Lord is exalted, we will be filled with wisdom and knowledge. You say, why is that? Because when the Lord is exalted, we will begin to fear the Lord. And when we begin to fear the Lord, we will begin to have knowledge and wisdom. And we do not have knowledge and we do not have wisdom because we do not fear the Lord. You say, well, why don't we fear the Lord? Because we don't see Him as He should be seeing, high and holy and exalted and lifted up. When the Lord is exalted, number two, for those of you who like to take notes, when the Lord is exalted... We will not exalt people. Look look at Isaiah 33, look at verse 7. He says, Behold, 
They're valiant. That word valiant is talking about a mighty man, a, a tough man, a, a, someone who has, who, who's not afraid. He said, their valiant one shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The ambassadors would be the ones that would kind of come in and, and, and you know, at this time, the, the, the nation of Israel, the, the southern kingdom of Judah, is kind of being threatened by the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrian Empire. Uh, we read about it uh, a, a few chapters back in the book of Isaiah. They're sending their ambassadors in to try to get them to make a deal. And, and, and Judah, instead of trusting in God, they're trying to trust in these ambassadors. These ambassadors were like saviors. These ambassadors were thinking, oh, the ambassadors here, they're going to help us. The ambassadors here, we'll be able to make a deal with them and they'll take care of us but he says look the valiant ones the ones that were going to protect you the ones that were going to fight for you the military he says behold their valiant ones shall cry without he says the ambassador of peace shall weep bitterly verse 8 the highways lie waste the wayfaring man ceases he hath broken the covenant he hath despised the cities he notice this phrase regardeth no man we said this before but the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. Do you know that God is not impressed with people? See, and today we are so impressed with people. We live in a world that loves, in a society that loves to idolize men. I, you know, I, if this is true in your home, I don't know it. I haven't been in your home, or if I did, I don't, I don't remember it. But the average teenager in, in America, the average child in America, you walk in the room, they're going to have a poster of what? Some athlete, some movie star, some singer. You've got people that you idolize. Oh, if I could meet him, or if I could shake his hand, or if I could meet her. You know, and we've been kind of, you know, trained to just idolize men. And we've been trained to idolize people. And, and you know, American Idol, and this person's famous, and that person's famous. If I could meet this person. But you know the only reason that you're impressed with men is because you've not gotten a good view of God. See, if you understood God... If you understood the power and the might of who God is, you would not be impressed with these dope-dealing basketball players. They just wouldn't impress you. You wouldn't be impressed with yeah, these football players. It's not impressive. See, the only reason people like sports, the only people, people you know, well, look at this guy. He can run. He can throw. He can do that. Look at that guy. He's so smart. Look at this person. They can make so much money. Look at that individual. They've got so much talent. They can say, hey, the only reason that impresses you is because you've never really gotten a good view of God. Because if you saw the Lord high and exalted and mighty, you just wouldn't really be that impressed with man. And he says, look, your valiant ones, the ones that were going to protect you, the ambassadors that were going to, he said, they, they're going to regard, he said, God doesn't regard man. Not only that, you, if you got, the, if the Lord was exalted, not only would you not exalt people in the sense that you wouldn't idolize them, but you would not exalt people in the sense that you would fear them. Look at verse 18, same chapter, Isaiah 33, 18. He said, thine heart shall meditate terror. Now he's talking about the enemy. He says, where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Look verse 19. Thou shalt not see a fierce people. This is where they're at. The nation, the, the southern kingdom of, of Judah is looking out its borders and they are seeing a fierce people. They are seeing, you know, the Assyrian Empire with all its power, and with all its might, with all its strength. They are looking out. But God says, look, if you would see the Lord exalted, you would not see a fierce people, a people of a deeper speech that thou canst perceive, of a stammering tongue that thou cannot understand. He said, you would not be afraid. Listen to me. Anything that you're afraid about, anything that you're in fear about, you're looking out your borders of your life and you're seeing all these militaries of dead or health or whatever and you're living in all this fear and you're afraid. God says, if you got a good view at God, you would not be afraid of man. 
Jesus put it this way. Go to, go to Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10. See, sometimes we, we get our views so focused on man. And you say, well, this person can hurt me, and this person can do this, and that person at my job, and that lady next door, and this individual, and that individual. But let me tell you something. The only reason we focus on men is because we do not get a good, good, a good view at God. The only reason you're impressed with men is because you've not gotten a good view at God. The only reason you're afraid of men is because you've not gotten a good view at God. Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 28, the Bible says this, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's what he's, he's saying. Hey, why are you so afraid of a person? The worst thing they can do for you is kill your body. It says God can kill your body and your soul in hell. He said you, you should not fear them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And Isaiah's trying to plead with these people and saying, you're out here looking at that military, you're looking at their horses, you're looking at their weapons, you're looking at the fierce, you know, a countenance of these people, and you're so afraid. He said, if you would just look up at God, and if you would acknowledge the power of God, if you would acknowledge the might of God, if you would realize who God is, he said, your, your view would not be so impressed with man. Not only that, go back to Isaiah 33, but you know what? If you got a good view at God, not only would you not idolize men, not only would you not fear men, but you know that you'd actually start treating men the way that you're supposed to? You know that if you got a good view at God, you would not hurt men? You say, well, well why is that? Because the only reason we ever hurt people, the only reason we ever bring someone down is to feed our pride. Because when I can bring you down, it can lift me up. But when I get a good view at God and I realize I'm undone, I realize I'm a mess, I realize I, I am humbled by the power of God, all of a sudden I don't need to bring you down to bring me up. Because I realize who I am in the presence of God. Are, are you there in Isaiah 33? Look at verse 1 again. He says, Woe to thee that spoilest, and thou was not spoiled. And dealest treacherously, and they dealt not treacherously with thee. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the golden rule. Treat others the way you'd like to be treated, right? Do unto others as you'd have. He said, hey, woe unto you that spoilest, and that was not spoiled. He said, he said, you're spoiling people, and no one ever spoiled you. You are dealing treacherously, and no one ever dealt treacherously with you. But here's the point. Here's the reason that we are wrong to people, and we hurt people, and we treat them in ways that we would not want to be treated, and we talk about them in a way that we would not want to be talked about, and, we, and we're rude to them and mean to them. We say, well, if somebody did that to me, that'd be bad. But we do it to others. Here's why. Because you do not have a good view at yourself. And the reason you don't have a good view of yourself is you've never really gotten a good view of God. Because the moment you see God for who he is, you realize, I'm just a sinner. I deserve, I, I deserve to die and go to hell. And that individual, I'm not any better than they are. But see, when I don't see God in his proper place, I don't see myself in a proper place. When I don't see myself in a proper place, then I don't see others in a proper place. Because usually I'm bringing you down to put me up. And God says, look, if you just get the right view, it would help how you treat others. If you would get the right view, you'd start idolizing men. you start, you stop looking at your neighbor and say, man, if I only had that car like he has. If I only had that this or that boat or whatever it is. He said, if you got a right view of God, he said, you stop being so afraid about what man can do to you. You start being a little more afraid about what God can do to you. Number three, Isaiah 33, look at verse uh, 11. When the Lord is exalted, we will get right with God. 
Look at verse number 11. And this is just kind of an interesting thing in verse 11. He says, You shall conceive chaff. You shall bring forth stubble. Your breath, I just want you to make note of this, as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as the burning of lime. As thorns cut up shall they be burned in the fire. Hear ye afar off what I have done, and ye that are near, acknowledge my might. And I just want you to notice this. Whenever God talks about judgment, he always makes a reference to fire. That's God's judgment, fire. At the Noahic flood, he judged the world with water. After the Noahic flood, he said, I'll never judge you with water again. I'll put my bow in the sky and let you know that I'm never going to judge you with water. But he says, the next time I'm going to judge you with fire. And that's God's judgment. There's a place called the lake of fire. There's a place called hell. Brother Vlad and I were out holding this Saturday. We were talking about Billy Graham. How Billy Graham came out and said, I'm not really sure if hell has literal fire. Have you ever read the Bible? I mean, Jesus said more about fire and hell than anything else in regards to hell. And the judgment of God is always fire. And by the way, it's also fire for the believer. Say, so what are you talking about? Well, at the judgment seat of Christ... He will take all the things that were done in our body, wood, you know, uh, hay, or uh, good night, I'm thinking precious stones and gold and silver. He's going to take all those things, and what's he going to do? He's going to put them in the what? Fire. And see what lasts. See, God's judgment always comes with fire. Now, we're not going to burn. You won't burn in fire if you're a believer. You'll burn in fire if you're an unbeliever. But a reference to fire is always the judgment of God. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm going to bring my judgment. Verse 12. He says, and the people shall be as the burning of lime, as thorns cut up shall be burned in the fire. Hear ye that are far off what I have done, and ye that are near. Acknowledge my might. Verse 14. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrite. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Now here's what he's saying. He's saying, the judgment of God is coming. It's fire. You're a believer, unbeliever. He's judging you with fire. He says, but who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Now notice what he says, verse 15. He that walketh righteously. Okay, walking is a reference to what? Your feet. He that speaketh uprightly. Speaking is a reference to what? Your mouth. He that despiseth the gain of oppression. Talking about not wanting to have gain that was brought through oppressing and hurting people. That's talking about your desires. That shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, talking about your hands. That stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, talking about your ears. That shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song, and we used to sing, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Whoever sang that song when you were a kid. For your father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. For your father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful. We would would sing that. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Why? Why should my feet be careful where they go? For your father up above is looking down in love. See, when you get the right view of God, When you realize that your father is high and holy and exalted, there's something about realizing that God up above is looking down in love. And you can begin to 
acknowledge Him. And you can begin to walk righteously and speak uprightly and not hold, shake His hands from the holding of bribes and the ears from the hearing of blood and the shutting of the eyes from the evil. See, there's something about exalting God as He is and realizing who God is that brings us to a place of cleansing. See, the Bible says, go with me to, to, to Hebrews, just real quickly. Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4, towards the end of the New, Te- uh, the New Testament there. Hebrews chapter number 4. Look at verse number 13. Hebrews chapter number 4. And verse number 13, the Bible says this. Hebrews chapter number 4. And verse number 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Talking about God. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, when you realize that there's no creature. I mean, it says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. He's saying, there's no creature in this universe, in this world, that God does not see, that is not manifest in his eye. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That have to do has to do with judgment, has to do with fire. The fact that I'm going to meet God one day, and he's going to judge me. Maybe not the lake of fire, because I believe in Jesus Christ, but I still got the judgment seat of Christ. The fact that there is a high and holy and exalted God that I have to meet will allow me to begin to cleanse my ears, my eyes, my mouth, my hands, my feet. But you know why we allow things into our ears that are not pleasing to God? You'll sit down in front of the television, sit down in front of the computer, and you'll look at things that you know God doesn't want you to look at. You know why we will listen to things that are not pleasing to God? Do you know why we will do things with our hands and go places with our feet, and we will allow ourselves to take part in things that are not pleasing to God? It's one reason we do not see God as high and holy and exalted and mighty. We do not see God in his proper place. Because if we were to see him, in its proper place. Like Isaiah, we would say, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I need God's mercy and I need God's grace. See, the problem that we have, and I'm not just saying you, the problem that we all have, the problem that every one of us has is the fact that we just don't see God as we should. We don't see the king in his beauty. Go to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. Remember the Beatitudes that Jesus taught and preached about? Matthew chapter number 5. Look at verse number 8. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 8. I'm not standing before you tonight as if I've got everything figured out. I'm not standing before you tonight as you say, oh, I've got, I'm just here to tell you, we're going to have to come to a place, you and I, We're going to have to come to a place where we, on a regular and daily basis, acknowledge God for who he is. See him as the king in his beauty. See him as high and exalted. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8, Jesus said this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, there's a connection between how you see God and the purity of your life, the purity of your heart the purity of your hands, the purity of your eyes, the purity of who we are. There's a connection between how clean we get and how we see God. Because if I realize that there is a mighty, powerful God with fire who I have an appointment with, then I'll be careful. Then I'll acknowledge him rightly. 
then I'll acknowledge him correctly. Go, go back to Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33 and look at verse number 20. Isaiah 33 and verse number 20. The problem with us is that we emphasize men. We exalt men. We idolize men. Or we fear men. Or we mistreat men. The problem with us is that we idolize places. We exalt places. We look at things. Listen, I'm thankful for the, the resources and, and, and the things that God has given us. This auditorium looks the best, you know, the, I mean, the best Verity Baptist Church has ever looked. This is it. I mean, we've never looked sharper than now. I mean, other than the people sitting in the chairs, you know, you guys could do, do some work, but the chairs are good, you know, the chairs are nice, right? I'm just trying to wake you up. I mean, we, we've, God's, give, God's blessed us, but let me tell you something. These chairs and, and, and these things and this panel, this is not important. A church and a group of people, it's not a place. See, the children of Israel got messed up when they started thinking that Jerusalem was more important than the God of Jerusalem. When they started thinking that Judea was it and this land, it's land, it's all about the land that God has given us. See, when we get our eyes off of the God that gives you the land, that, you know, one day, Lord willing, God's going to give us nice buildings, nice property. We're going to have all sorts of land and kids are going to be able to run around and, and, and go crazy and all that stuff. And it's going to be great. But listen to me, as soon as we get our eyes off the God that gives you the land, that's where you begin to mess up. Because the nation of Israel, they said, it's all about Jerusalem. It's all about the land that God has given us, Canaan land. And they just forgot that it was really about the God that gave them the land. Look, look, at, look at verse 20, Isaiah 33, verse 20. He says, look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. He's and he's talking good. And by the way, in, in prophetically here, he's not talking about Jerusalem that now is. He's talking about the new Jerusalem that is to come. He says, look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation. Here's how we know it's not the Jerusalem that now is. The Jerusalem that now is is not a quiet habitation. Okay, it's, it's a place of, of, of war and rockets and all sorts. He says, Jerusalem, a quiet place, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. That's how we know it's not the Jerusalem that now is, because that Jerusalem got taken down, got burnt down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. As we know, this is new Jerusalem. This is the Jerusalem that will come down from heaven, verse 21. But there, but there the glorious Lord, don't miss this, will be unto us a place. You catch that? The glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galleys with oars, neither shall gallant ships pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Thy tacklings are loose, they could not well strengthen their mass, they could not spread the sail. Then is the prey of a great spoil divided, the lame take the prey. Look at verse 24. And the inhabitants shall not say, here's how we know it's not Jerusalem that now is, but it's that coming new Jerusalem. He says, the inhabitants shall not say I am sick. See, in Jerusalem right now, there's people that are sick. There's people that are dying. One day there's coming a Jerusalem where the inhabitants will say, I'm not sick. And I even ate that bad popcorn. You know, I'm good. I mean, I, I'm not sick. I, there's no cancer. There's no death. There's no pain. I am, I, I shall not say I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. The people in Jerusalem today, many of those people are not forgiven their iniquity. There's coming a Zion, though, where everyone there will be forgiven their iniquity. And there's this new Jerusalem. But here's the point. Here's the point that he's making. You know what will make Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, heaven? You know what will make it great? 
Say, it's, it's the sea of glass. It's the pearly gates. It's the mansion that God's going to give me. It, it, it's the fact that there's no death. The fact that there's no sickness. No, here's what will make heaven great. Verse 21. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place. See, it's not about the place. It's about the Lord of that place. It's about the fact that God's there. That we will be with God and we will commune with God. And we will be able to walk the streets with Him. And here's the best part about heaven. For once in our lives with our eyes we will see the Lord the King in His beauty. And the pearly gates will be nice. And the mansions will be nice. And the sea of glass will be nice. But the fact that we can see God for who He is, that's what will make it special. And see, that's what they forgot in Old Testament Israel. They said, it's about Jerusalem. It's about Canaan land. It's about this land that God has given us. And Isaiah says, no, 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 no. It's about the God that gave you that land. It's about seeing the Lord exalted. And by the way, let me just throw this in verse 22. Verse, Isaiah 33, verse 22 was actually a verse that was impactful in the, in the foundation of our, of our nation. The founding fathers, for whatever they're worth, uh, tried to structure the United States of America, and they actually used this verse as, as part of their structure. Isaiah 33, 2, notice it says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. Our nation has three branches of government. We have the judicial branch, the judge. We have the legislative branch, Congress, the lawgivers. And we have the executive branch, the king. And uh, just, just kind of an interesting thing there that was used. Now, because we live in an imperfect world, those three branches are supposed to, you know, balance each other and check each other. But one day in heaven, there'll be three branches. There'll be the Lord, our judge, the Lord, our lawgiver, the Lord, our king. But it will be perfect because he has saved us. It'll be perfect because he is exalted, because he is holy, because he is God. It'll be better than the freedoms of the United States of America. So here's what you got to understand. And here's a question that I have for you. Is the Lord exalted in your life? Have you, I'm not talking about physically. I'm not talking about some charismatic, you know, I saw a vision. And I'm not talking about those things. But I'm saying in your heart and in your mind, have you seen the Lord in his beauty? Have you seen the king in his beauty? Have you exalted the Lord? Have you seen him high, holy, and lifted up like Isaiah did? Because if you did, if you do, it will revolutionize the way you treat others. It will revolutionize the way you see yourself. It will revolutionize the sin in your life. It will revolutionize you as a person. Because when you see God, you'll realize, I am undone. I am a mess. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And the thing that this church needs, the thing that this community needs, the thing that this nation needs, is a bunch of Christians to get the right view of God and allow the rest of us to get in the right perspective to the God that is high and holy and mighty and exalted and lifted up. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.